Edwards stalled to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player for another ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, Red Sox beat CLNS Radio, of course. Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell, Jared Scally here um, on CLNS Radio. Of course, we are brought to you by Blue Apron. Don't forget to go uh, get your first three meals for free. It's easy. BlueApron.com slash Red Sox beat. Type that into your URL. Uh, you're going to get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Love having them as a partner of the show. Um, so go on and do that now. Don't forget as well, on Twitter, we are Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast. If you want to check us out um, on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe us. That'd be awesome. And share share the wealth, share the knowledge that we provide. Uh, of course, if you're listening to us on Stitcher, uh, anywhere, really, um, we love it and we love the support. Um, last edition during the Red Sox season, as the season has come to an end. Um, guys, obviously not expecting to be swept by the Indians, but obviously kind of a really quick halting end to David Ortiz's career and the Red Sox season. Yeah, and I think that's what's, the most disappointing is how not so much the season ended, but how Ortiz's career ended. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like, I mean, obviously losing the playoffs is never fun, but in the past with like 2009, you know, different years that they got swept, you know, they got swept by the White Sox that year, 2006, they got swept in the ALDS. And it's like, wow, that happened fast. But like, it's like, all right, move on next year. I made the playoffs. It's all good. But this, this one, oh, you got swept. Oh, and David Ortiz's career is over, by the way. It's like, whoa, double whammy. Hold on. And it just made it like 20 times worse than it already was. Yeah. And the worst part about it, I mean, not the worst part about it, but the nicest part about it was that, that organic moment afterwards, you know? The last out happened, and right away, as soon as it happened, the crowd flipped over at Fenway to chanting Ortiz, wanting Ortiz. Um, obviously, we give huge credit to Ortiz for waiting, letting the Indians celebrate, and then the Red Sox brought him back out afterwards. And obviously, that moment was amazing, but it's obviously a quick halt to the end of the season. Um, so for the final time this year, let's get Jess's recap, um, and this will be the last one until spring training. Um, just to recap the quick little thing that's happened this past week, and then we'll move on and talk over other news that's happening around your Boston Red Sox. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, game three, Clay Buckholtz, Josh Tomlin, the season rode on Clay's shoulders, and he was fine. He gave up two runs and six hits and four innings. Yes, there was base runners in every inning, but he did fine, and he kept them in the ball game. Um, unfortunately, the Indians scored first, so they took a 2 nothing lead in the fourth and a Tyler Naquin two-RBI single. Um, the Sox weren't doing much against Josh Tomlin early, and then uh, in the fifth inning, Andrew Benintendi got an RBI single driving Bogarts, and it was it was kind of funny at this point because we were we were just basically like, oh my god, runs! What's this? Never heard of this before. What's a run? Like I literally, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. It's been so long since the Sox had scored a run. It was just like, it was just I couldn't believe it. So so that was great. I got a run, made it two to one, but then good old friend. Covelli Lois Crisp, otherwise known as Coco Crisp. <laughs> in case no I'm one knew so his happy name. I'm so just broke out the full name. I'm so happy to see that. <laughs> I love his full name. I love his name, too. I can't get enough of it. So, Good old friend Coco cranked a two-run job in the uh, sixth inning off Drew Pomerantz. And I was the only hit the Pomerantz gave up in his inning in the third. Um, and it was an unfortunate unfortunate one. It made it 4-1. to one. And at that point, obviously, everyone was like, oh, 4-1 to one of the six. Are we really going to get swept here? But you can't lose the faith. The Sox made a run at it. David Ortiz had a sack fly in the sixth inning to make it, in the bottom of the sixth, to make it 4-2, coming back a little bit. Uh, and then in the eighth inning, Hanley Ramirez got an RBI single driving bets. That made it 4-3. to three. And then this was right after Ortiz walked in his final at-bat of his career. We didn't know if it would be at that point, but he walked. Hanley drove in. Bets Ortiz went to second, and then at that point, John Farrell pinch ran for Ortiz because obviously you can't leave him in there because you're trying to tie the game and win the game. And if you do that, it's not his last at bat of his career. So he brought Marco Hernandez to try to get that tying run, and Xander Bogarts lined out to second base on a rip 
and uh, that ended the inning. The Sox couldn't score again. Lost four to three. And it was just, uh, it was so frustrating because Cody, Cody Allen thrown 40 pitches in game one. He threw 40 pitches again in this game. Andrew Miller threw 35 pitches again. So Francona was totally wearing out the two of them again. And Allen looked tired, and the Sox were really threatening against them. And they just couldn't get that one big hit. And the story of this game was so frustrating. The whole game, the Sox were rocketing balls all over the ballpark, and they're all almost all of them were outs. There were so many opportunities in this game. Can I tell you, yeah. too, that moment when... Ortiz got on base. He was jacking up the crowd. He was going You're crazy, so trying to get the crowd going up. And then Hanley hit that ball, and I was like, "That's gonna." And in my head, I thought, "Okay, this is gonna work out. We're gonna win this game. That's gonna be another David Ortiz moment in the history of the playoffs for David Ortiz. Not something typical, because usually he does it with his bat. But if he if if that worked out, David Ortiz getting the crowd on their feet, going crazy, would have been another David Ortiz moment. I mean, it was still, but it would have been." a long list of postseason memories for David Ortiz. Yeah, no doubt. And when, you know, when somebody has that impact on the fans, you can just tell, like, how amped up he was because he knew, like, exactly when he got on base, like, what could happen. And, you know, and yeah, it was the right move taking him out, but it was, like, just like like you said, it was so frustrating watching that game because the Red Sox were absolute, absolutely just hammering the ball all over, like, left, right, center field, everywhere. And, they just couldn't get the ball to drop quick enough. They couldn't get it out of, the, out of Fenway. And I'm just like, oh, my God, we're going to get swept. And we did. I know, like, bets, like bets that should have been that should have been a home run. You know, it was off the middle of the wall. It was like normally in the regular season, like, oh, a hard hit ball, that's going to be a home run. There's so many things just, just went wrong enough to not make it work, unfortunately. And, yeah, I mean, Ortiz knew the situation. You know, the, the crowd wasn't into it much because – the Sox were having trouble scoring runs, and it was, you know, it was just like, that was the moment he got on base, he knew this was huge, he knew just a couple of runs, meat of the order, you know, coming up against tired pitching, he, he was ready for it, and he tried to get him into it, and they were into it, and everything was right there, if Bogarts could have just gotten one hit, if he could have just lifted the ball six more inches over his head, tie game, oh, it was like, it was so frustrating, and yeah, in terms of taking out Ortiz, like, I get they left him in at first, because you know, obviously, you might still need him at some point, but when you get into second and you're down one, you have to take him out at that point because he's so slow. And if you lose the game because he gets thrown out at, at first and then it's coming at home and his career ends anyway, like you got to you got to manage for the game. You can't manage for him. And not even getting thrown out at home too, but like, what if it's something where Butterfield had to hold him up, and and then they don't get a hit in the next batter, and then he stayed stuck on third rather than if a ball for Hernandez um, is an easy, you know, what I mean, it's that situation too. So. It was too risky. It was obviously the right baseball decision. I think a lot of people disagree with it because they no one wanted to take him out. But I think he got the ovation he deserved. He got the crowd jacked up when he came out. Um, and I think it was it was a nice send-off, obviously, with the kind of extra send-off coming after the game. Yeah, obviously that was great. Yeah, getting, getting to walk out one more time and, and wave to everybody, tip his cap. I mean, no one left. Everyone stayed for that. It was just... That was a good moment. And it was... It was sad because you could tell that he wasn't ready for it either. Like everyone thought we were going to be playing more baseball. I said on the last show, I was like, "There's the probability of losing this game is so low," and I really believed it. And I believed it the whole game, even when the Sox were down. I was like, "It's only a couple runs." I was like, "We got this great offense," and they did get going. They got they got a couple runs. Everything worked out great. They just didn't get that one last run. And it's just so shocking that that was the end of the season and end of his career. And I don't think he I don't think he was like prepared for it either. Yeah, I think that's why really sucked most about that loss was like okay he's like we have to process the Red Sox getting swept the Red Sox getting knocked out of the playoffs and losing the best designated hitter that the Red Sox or really any of baseball has ever seen so it's like that's three things that us as fans have to take in and we're like okay one thing at a time because it's <laughs> like I mean Ortiz's you know last ovation was wicked emotional you can tell like he was fighting back tears people in in the stands were crying and it's like oh like hold on wait a second too many emotions right now and they don't give you time to process all of them because it all happens at once i know <laughs> it's like, stop stop one thing at a time all right don't retire yet hold on Ortiz. <laughs> wait stay there okay give us an hour all right <laughs> I know. Ugh, it's tough tough way to end it i mean one thing i will say is at least it was a really good authentic moment like i said after the game you know i mean it sucked that the reporters had to be out there. Like, I would have liked him to be out there by himself. But obviously, I get it. They're, look, yeah. they're getting pictures. They're doing their job. But um, it would have been really awesome if they just let him have the moment. 
because we all know those cameras can get pictures from pretty far away. Um, it would have been nice if they if they didn't come to the mound and they just let him stand there and kind of take it all in by himself. Right. But then on I the think... other hand, you think about how that's like their big moment. Like, I'm getting this incredible photograph right now. Oh, exactly. I they're used to. I mean, the players are so used to that. You for, you don't even realize because you're watching sitting there watching interviews, you know, on TV, and you just see the player, and then you don't realize how there's like 25 reporters huddle around like in a semicircle around the player because you don't see any of that, and it's it's shocking when you actually see that live, and you're like, whoa, all these people are all around this, and they deal with that every day, every oh, second yeah. of every day. They're so used to it, so he probably didn't even notice them. He's probably just like, oh, thanks, fans. Oh, there's photographers here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for us, like, we know what's on the other side of that, because, like, the three of us have all been to games, covered games, you know, covered practices, things like that, so we know the media scrums there, um, but people at home sometimes forget that. You know, people at home think, oh, I'll give him his space. Well, you know what? He's used to having a mic down his throat during post-game interviews, so um, I, I think he, he was okay with it. I don't think he even realized they were there, because, um, you know, you, you don't see David Ortiz he's emotional too much um like that kind of situation you don't see yeah, him in tears well. like it, it was really weird um to see him like that and it really shows you one any conspiracy theory of him coming back next year probably not true um he really i think is done he understands that he's done he knows what he did for the game um and it was very emotional to see him do that and at, tear up like that it was awesome to see in terms of the raw emotion finally he's we showed because he's getting he's been getting gifts all year the red sox berated him with three ceremonies like this was the real the first kind of real organic emotional tie to his retirement that we had seen from him yeah when you when you put it like that i mean i know he had the ceremonies and all the teams had all the ceremonies and he had gifts and tributes and everything and to kind of have a moment for himself where you know it's, it's not really planned per se and it's not um like there's no tributes there's no emotional video messages or anything it's just kind of david ortiz on the mound for the last time saluting everybody at fenway like it it really was like that raw kind of moment that you love in baseball but at the same time it's just like no like please please don't retire <laughs> He should have stood in the plate, though. I don't care why he stood on the mound. He's a batter. <laughs> Stand in the wrong place, man. Get, get behind that plate. No, it doesn't matter, but still, it's, <laughs> it's kind of kind of a funny thing. That's just baseball for you. It's a really hard sport to win in and to have a perfect final season. He couldn't have had a more perfect regular season in terms of playing and in terms of how all that went out. So it just goes to show you, it's, you know, it's it, players rarely have perfect, 100% complete, like, final years of great year championship like that just doesn't happen you know no it doesn't and if he if they did something this year and if they really pushed that would have been the ultimate ultimate story like you couldn't have wrote that script any better if they did somehow win this year right and the fact that he was hoping for his fourth championship not his first you know not even his second his fourth championship that's a lot to ask for (laughs) yeah i mean he got three as it is and one of them probably shouldn't have happened but he put that team on his back in 2013 um So another, obviously, chapter that shouldn't have... Because we all know that team shouldn't have won that World Series, and they did because of him. So um, we obviously wrote the history book there with him, and obviously we're going to miss him. And it's gonna, it's not really going to hit any of us, I think, until spring training. So he's not playing next year. When he's yeah, not there. Totally. Or when he's there and not as a player, and then like you watch games and you watch opening day, and he's not there. And that's going to be weird. So, And we'll obviously dive into what the Red Sox need to do on the offseason of how to fill that void and things like that. And that'll be for... We have plenty of time to talk about that. Um, then the wonderful. It's so weird though. Cause it's just so weird. There's like, because we're used. You know, he doesn't play an interleague se- series because he's as a DH. You know, like he misses two or three games here, one game here, and even when he misses just those few games, you're like, oh, it's so weird not having him play. And the fact that that's going to be every game is going to be so weird. Oh, I know. Because even one game is weird. So having it be, he's always there. He's the staple. Yeah. He's always in the lineup as long as we've been watching. You know, it's just like. It's going to be odd. Yeah, having it be every game is going to be very, very awkward. Um, But we'll obviously handle that when the time comes, and there might be some tears on this show, probably, by by some people, because it's going to be weird. Um, We'll get used to it, though. We got used to not having Don or Solo. You know, you move on eventually. It's just just strange. We all thought Pedro would always play pitch forever, and we see he is being old and on MLB Network. So um, definitely we'll be used to it. Um, And there is the final recap of the season from Jess Thomas. Uh, next, we'll be back, obviously, with spring training for those recaps. And, of course, that is brought to you by Audible.
And of course, we love having Audible on as a new sponsor of the show. Um, so definitely go on and check them out. It's a great source for audio books and all sorts of things. So definitely go on and check it out. Um, guys, a lot, obviously, with the recap and the game that we lost and the Red Sox being swept. But th- there's stuff going on. But like, before we get into some news, obviously, coming down with the Red Sox and the, and, and Hazen and what's going to happen with the Blue and all these things and the John Farrell decision that we all know by now um, that he's coming back. But, but let's just first kind of go back to the series. What happened to this team? You have a team that won the American League East, best offense in baseball almost all year, if not all year. Um, and now all of a sudden these guys like Bogarts, Betts, Benintendi, um, most of them looked bad. Benintendi looked okay. But other than that, Betts didn't look great. Bogarts was, wasn't great the whole second half. Um, and the bats were dead. And I don't know, was it more Cleveland pitching coming out obviously with Miller? Um, or was it the Red Sox? couldn't handle the bright lights. These young kids could not handle the bright lights. Was it something like that? I mean, it makes you wonder something like that, but then you have 22 year old Andrew Benintendi, who looks like he's 16 years old, who had, who has more maturity and patience at the plate than a lot of newcomers coming in. And I think he handled the postseason jitters or postseason stress, whatever it may be. Like, I think he handled that and out of Bogart's bets, even Bradley jr. Like, I feel like he was, Benintendi was the most comfortable looking. And I don't know if this team was just tired or they just, I mean, they just kind of imploded. I, it's, and it's weird. It's not like, you know, I know they lost, lost five out of the six games or whatever, but they were still putting up runs and they were still, but I don't know. Like they're, I, they look tired and I mean, it's understandable. It's a long season, but you know, we're world we're, we're World Series champs before. I don't. I, it's it's confusing. Yeah, you play the whole season to play these games, and it's just like right. You get to this point, it's like, oh, all right, we're just gonna lay it down now. I mean, the whole thing was weird. Just after winning the eleven games in a row and being so hot, it just it happened a week too early, I guess. And it's just finishing the season losing seven out of eight. And it's just kind of kind of weird. And yeah. I would, Besides Ben Benintendi, I think he's an outlier. The rest of them definitely looked kind of uh, kind of struck by the by the situation. Um, and is yeah, Bradley Jr. can do anything. He looked terrible. Bogarts looked pretty weak until the last game. He got a couple hits, looked a little better. Betts obviously didn't do what he's been doing all season, which is hit the crap out of the ball, MVP style. And you know Ortiz didn't play well. It was just like nobody, you know, Pedro only had a couple hits. Nobody really did well except Brock Holt. And it's just like. I don't know. I feel like it was kind of the bright lights. It's just like they tell everyone tells you, you know, play it just like the regular season, play the playoffs just like the regular season. It's the same game. But I think guys just see, you know, see the attention, see the spotlight. Everyone's watching you, and they just, you know, Bradley couldn't hit a fastball. Sandy Leon couldn't hit a curveball. Bogarts couldn't hit a curveball. Betts couldn't hit much anything. They just, I don't know. Everyone just seemed to forget how to play baseball at the same time, and it's just. I don't know. I, the only explanation I can come up with is the bright lights because they are a lot of young guys. They didn't seem tired per se. Like, like, all right, we're done playing baseball. They just seem to not be able to hit good pitches and or any pitches, and it just they kind of fell apart all together. I don't know. It's just a weird combination of like perfect storm of crap. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I look at it as. This obviously this team's obviously set up pretty well for the future. You know, all the young guys who produced really well this year at the Bets, the Bradleys, those kind of guys. Um, and who knows if Jackie Bradley's even on this team next year, you know, he could still be trade bait. But that being said, I, I do think it was the bright lights. I think I don't know what happened to Xander second half of the year, but that continued into the playoffs. But for guys like Mookie Betts, um, this guy is an MVP candidate still and he couldn't perform at the highest level. So I'm not sitting here and saying I'm worried about his performances in playoffs to come. I I think it's just the age factor. These guys haven't been in meaningful games. They won the division now, and now there's expectations. There weren't expectations this year. These guys played out of their mind. And now, coming in, there are expectations. So now you get a feel of what these young guys do when there's expectations. Um, Because even end of last year, when they hit so well, there was zero expectation. The season was basically over. So am I concerned? No, of course not. But... It's always something to keep an eye on come next year. Now there's expectations on them. How do they start? How, how do, do they back up this division with a consistent season? If they make the playoffs, can they handle it now? You know, with expectations on, can they do something? Yeah, no, that's a good point. And yeah, maybe they, maybe they needed this. Maybe they needed 
all being such young, they're so young. They're all so young. You know, they're like 23 and younger, 24 yeah. and younger. They're they're young guys, and they haven't really done much of this. And all of a sudden, they get thrown into it. And yeah, it's different. It's different than the regular season. It's different than anything they've seen. So maybe they needed to get swept and realize, okay, we can't just fly through here and just because this team has injuries and in they're pitching, we can just get away with it. No, you still got to hit. You still got to hit the guys you're pitching, you're batting against. And they just didn't do that. So I think it's probably important for the development that this happened. It was just an unfortunate time for it to happen with Ortiz and everything. But yeah, most of the team's young guys, and it's, you know, you're, you can't be prepared for it until you're doing it. And now they did it, and they realized, whoa, this maybe isn't so easy. Baseball's hard. Playoffs are difficult. You know, not a lot of teams win. You know, and it's just, it, it's just what it is. Yeah, in playoffs especially, you know, I'm sure these young guys went in thinking it's just another game. I know even Rick Porcello said that before game one that he wasn't nervous about pitching because it's still the same game. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's still the same game to a point, but there's so much more on the line. Like, all of a sudden, you're it's like a clean slate. Your record doesn't matter. Your stats don't matter. Your strikeout-to-walk ratio doesn't matter. Like, nothing matters in the playoffs except each, like, game by game. And I think that's what a lot of the, the young guys need had to learn. And unfortunately, they learned it the hard way, which puts a lot of stress and heartbreak on, on us. I love that you made that point because it is totally different. For example, Clay Buckles came out after four innings in game three. He would Garbage. not have come out after four innings in a regular season game. But everything was on the line. You didn't want to give up any more runs. You got pitchers at your disposal, so you play the game differently. So that's yep. exactly what you're saying. You do things totally differently because of the situation. So it's not the same game. Well, look how much Andrew Miller's being used. <laughs> exactly. He's not going to come into the fifth inning in the regular season most of the time. No, of course not. But Terry Francona is using him to the, until his arm falls off. So And boy, it's working. <laughs> and, oh, it's totally working. Um, and I, would, I wouldn't do it any other way. I think he's managing a brilliant playoff run right now. Of course he is. I love Terry Francona. I think we all do. Um, but look, it, it, playoffs are a different animal. I'm, like I said, I'm not concerned, guys, by any means um, of seeing this team down the road. I think that this helps. You know, you need some heartache. Um, we had 86 yeah. years of it. You know, 2003 was a big problem <laughs> for a lot of fans. But 2003 happened and made that 2014 better for it. You know, so right. I'm not saying this team's going to flip around and win a World Series next year, but it makes the, it makes you work that much harder. It gets you hungry. You still have Dustin Pedroia in this team, who is going to be a hu- even more of a veteran presence next year with Ortiz gone. Oh, yeah. So, and, you know, he'll be ready for it. <laughs> oh, because he, he hates this. You know, you know? Like, he obviously hates Ortiz losing, but – he still has to come back and play next year. Ortiz is going to go right off into the sunset on a nice warm beach and do whatever he wants to do, you know? Or Pedroia has yep. to come back and face the media and play another season. So you know he's going to be ready. He always is. Um, it's just a matter of what Dombrowski can do to fill the holes for what this team needs to be filled. Um, obviously, you're, they're going to be healthy next year. You get Blake Swihart back. Carson Smith comes back. Pablo Sandoval probably comes back. So a lot That's of things. The thing. there's, really not, there's really not that many holes. <laughs> Well, the injuries the caused the game. holes. The injuries caused the holes. Right. So because if everyone's healthy, there really isn't much of holes because they have starting, a really good team. <laughs> starting pitching. Well, yeah, well they, the starting pitching should be good. Come on. I would the still, guys no, they have. I understand that. But my point is I would, if I was the Red Sox, I would still go for a top-end guy because right well, now yeah, you, you don't have yeah. anyone who has the balls to pitch in the playoffs. Yeah, it can't hurt, but it shouldn't be. Ne- it should it really shouldn't be necessary if you look at who they have. But I would trade necessary. for I would trade for Chris Sale still. I would still make that happen. You have to give up a lot to do that. Okay, do Which it. Might be, worth, might be worth it. Jackie Bradley and a crap ton of prospects. Do it in a heartbeat. But who says Chris Sale's in one of the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> I would take the chance. David Price all over again. I would take the chance. Well, but that's a whole other show about David Price, and that didn't work. So I, I, I still, I mean, okay, David Price, you knew, you've seen it happen. Um, that being said, that's a whole other conversation we have all winter to talk about that, and I'm sure I'm going to yell at all of you before the winter's over about what we're going to happen. But that being said, um, some news did come down today, um, and I don't know how big of a deal it is. I don't know how much he was really involved with Dombrowski being here, but Mike Hazen, the quote unquote general manager of the Red Sox. Um, has been hired by the Diamondbacks. And that obviously poses the question of who's going to be their next manager, and we'll touch on that in a second. Um, but Mike Hazen going to the Diamondbacks, not really surprised that he wanted to leave, because what was he really doing here? <laughs> I, I don't even really know. Like, it was just, it was definitely random, and I mean, you didn't really hear anything, you know, 
two seasons ago, even during the Bobby Valentine era, we knew that there was front office trouble. There was this, there was that. And you didn't really hear anything much about that really since Dombrowski came in. And it was, I mean, I know the Diamondbacks needed somebody in their front office. I think they need a lot of help, but it's, it's just a very random, random move. Well, I mean, the thing with this stuff is, I mean, we, of course, we never know exactly what they do because we're not in the office with them. Pretty um, sure you got Dombrowski's coffee. Like, like what well, else? But, but no, I mean, if you look at you, if you look at his career, I mean, if you, if you look at this stuff, I mean, he was he worked under John Farrell in Cleveland, you know, like over ten years ago. Then he came here, kind of worked his way up here, worked with Charrington, and then Dombrowski came here. So like, he's kind of gone through the ranks. And I've read a couple quotes on him and how. It, people speak very highly of him and how he's, you know, he knows a ton of stuff and he's, he's a really smart dude. So I think maybe in terms of that, maybe it's a loss. Yeah. I don't really know exactly what he did here, but he's kind of worked his way up for a while. So he definitely deserves it. And maybe they just decided, you know, this was an opportunity that was good for him, but I think it, you know, it could hurt because, you know, he could have been doing, you know, Dombrowski's job here at some point in his career. You never know, but that's how these things work. You, you, you work your way up, and, and then a job opens up, and you take it. So he did. Um, apparently, is it Frank Wren? Is that his first name? Um, yes. Is the, is the favorite to t- potentially take over that spot um, and be basically the assistant general manager on the team, <laughs> for this team? Um, because oh, we yeah, all know- we hired him last year. That's right. Yeah, so we all know that Dave Dombrowski basically – runs the show so um whoever comes in as the quote-unquote general manager doesn't really do too much to making the final decisions um but we'll have to see there but the bigger question posed and i know jess you put it down on the recap for the preview for the um for the show prep here but it's a good question the diamondbacks probably looking for a new manager so does tori lavulo get the nod because the red sox now gave lavulo permission to interview this offseason for any open jobs if he gets phone calls why wouldn't Mike Hazen give Tori Lavulo a phone call? I mean, why not? You know, the the position's open, and we obviously know what Lavulo can do with the team. You know, we saw him manage the last few months of last season, and I, he did just fine. Um, I think it's something that they'd consider. I, I mean, I know it's been kind of flying around that. He, they're going to talk to him or whatever, but I, I don't see him leaving the Red Sox. I was going to say time to test his uh, his loyalty to John Farrell because he's a fiercely loyal, fiercely loyal John Farrell and, you know, wanted him to be the manager last, uh, this year because because he deserved it and it's his team and he's so loyal to him. So this will test that loyalty. Um, I mean, I obviously want to keep him because he seems like a good dude and seems like somebody who could help out the team which he's been doing but also on the other hand he does deserve a managing job and he's come close a couple times in the past maybe this is his opportunity you know a little little uh, a team that doesn't get as much publicity maybe he could get them back going because they've been pretty bad for several years so i think it's a really good opportunity for him so i kind of hope for his sake that he gets it but we'll see if he wants it i mean maybe he wants to stay here with Farrell. who knows if let's say this if tory Lovello does leave what does that do to the locker room? Because Jared Carabas was on is on the sports hub every week during the season with with Zoe and Bertrand, and he broke without really breaking. He he unofficially broke the story that all the play because he's talked to the players, saying the players don't want him to leave. The players wanted him to be the manager. They like him better. That's what that's what players were telling Carabas. What happens if he walks away? What does that do to the clubhouse? Because clearly Lavulo has a good kind of feel for that clubhouse, and obviously. Lavulo might want the Red Sox job. It's a better situation if Def- if Farrell does end up getting fired or not getting re-signed because right now nothing's in place past next year. So what happens then? You know, like there's a lot of what ifs that if he stays around or what ifs if he leaves. It'd be a huge decision if he does leave. They really said they like him more than Farrell. I'm yeah. surprised at that. That's what he says. Players I, were telling. All I, all I hear about is how much players like Farrell. So that's surprising to me. That, yeah, that's what's what the Carabas said. And I trust his sources, so. Questionable. <laughs> Isn't that what you hear, Lauren? Isn't like that? All I, all I hear is that that everyone loves Farrell in the clubhouse. Yeah, I mean that's what I've heard, and I'm, I know we've yeah. talked about on this show before that Farrell is, you know, a, a player's coach, and that's why it's like the players take to him because he's just like he caters to each player, and I obviously that has its downfalls, but also has its positives too. But I mean, I. I don't think I've really heard yeah. everyone saying, like, Lavulo over Farrell. 
Yeah, that's intriguing. I really would not have guessed that. I know people like Lavello too. In addition to Farrell, I didn't know they were going to be picking one over the other. But in terms of how it's going to fight the clubhouse, yeah, I mean, it's important. He's a he's a bench coach. He's one of the one of the more important coaches. And uh, if the players like him that much, then it might hurt. So he might take a lot of consideration and uh, and stay. But he also might say. I want to be a manager. I want to further my career, and it might be better to start in a place like Arizona because if you start here and you not have a good season, everyone's going to be all over you, as we yeah. know. So yeah. it might this may not be the best place for him to start. Yeah, I, if I was him, I would get out of here, yeah. and I would go manage the Diamondbacks. If, if Mike, if 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 Hazen calls him, I would totally go, no questions asked. Um, Obviously, I think it's going to be his clubhouse. I believe Carabas' sources. I, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying they think that Farrell's an, an ass clown or anything like that. Uh, I just think that they do like Lavolo. I think that they were shocked when he wasn't named a manager. I, I don't think people expected Farrell to be back. Um, and I just think that it would be a hit to the players because I think the players do get along with him. And you saw that even when he took over for Farrell when he did go in for cancer treatment. It was they responded really well and they played and they, I think Lavulo has a good hold on that clubhouse. So it's an intriguing conversation. Um, it's definitely he seems something... like such a nice guy too. He seemed, like when he did his interviews, like the normal Farrell interviews, he seemed like such a nice guy. He really handled it well. He really, you know, he really responded to every question really good. So I can see why everyone would like him. He seemed like a really good dude. Yeah, it seems like he's definitely going to be a guy who is a player's manager when he does take over a team. Um, he, he screams that kind of manager. And, and you're right, he seems like a really nice dude, and um, I think he screams that kind of manager. So we'll see, obviously, what a team he takes over, um, whether it be Red Sox next year, Diamondbacks this year, who knows. Uh, there's a lot going on there. But that being said, nice easy segue into the conversation that we really should have is John Farrell's here through 2017. Um no commitments past that from Dombrowski. Um, obviously, you, know, you guys know I don't agree with that, but my weirdest thing about the press conference was right before Dombrowski came out, Farrell was talking about, well, I don't know about my future. I haven't been told anything. I'm, I'm planning on being the manager, but I haven't been told for sure. And then right after that, Dombrowski comes out. Someone asks him about it, and then Dombrowski goes, well, John Farrell's our manager for 2017. I just told him that. He just came to the door, and I just talked to him and told him right now. And it's like, if Farrell didn't say that, would Dombrowski have said that right then and there? Like, did Farrell instigate him getting an extension? Like, what? what I mean, do you guys understand why I'm confused? And that was weird. Well, well I mean, sorry, go ahead. As I was say, I can understand, like, why you're confused, but at the same time. Kind of weird. If, if, if Farrell, yeah, you are. If, if Farrell goes out to the podium, like, unsure of where his job stands at that point and he gets asked about it he's not gonna sit there and be like yeah well i'll be back far as i know blah 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 like if he doesn't know he doesn't know and you know i know he has a weird way of kind of answering questions but he's always like honest about it so i mean i think it's just feral being feral feral's not honest feral beats around the bush a lot Um, i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) guys you really think he's honest i think that he's I think he beats around the bush a little bit, but he, I mean, he answers bit. the question. David yeah. Price's stuff was really good tonight. You know, his best stuff was that curveball. No, that, yeah. Um, but no, that being he said, just, he thinks about the politically correct way to answer a question and thinks about what he says. So he's thoughtful at least. I don't, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if honest is the best word, Lauren, but I mean, it could be. I don't know the guy personally, but he's, I mean, he's certainly just thoughtful and thinks about answers to his questions and thinks about what he's saying because my my thought process with dave dombrowski's response was if farrell didn't say that like you know if he just said yeah i expect to be back you know i'm I'm the manager of this team as far as i know that kind of thing um it might not come up with dombrowski because then dombrowski made a point to say i just told farrell his him and his entire staff are coming back most you know most most situations they would say you know we're going to look at it um John Farrell did great things for us, and we're going to review the team as a whole, roster included. We just want to take the, take this in and understand why we lost, um, and we're going to move forward as a team, an organization. You know, it's like some type, like politically correct answer, you know. Um, but he came out and said it. And then on top of that, to say the whole staff is guaranteed a job, eh, what did Car- what did Carl Willis do this year that really deserves his job back? Well, I guess he just wants to keep everyone together because they had such a good season this year, and I guess he just wanted to to erase all doubts with that, but I don't think what Dombrowski said had anything to do with anything Farrell said, really. I I 
I believe that he thought that he had that plan before that happened. And because well, no, how he, he, started, he didn't just say it. He was asked the question, and he said, "Well, I figured you were going to ask that. I just talked to that's John." That's what I was about to say. He said, "I he said I, I figured you were going to ask that question." So like he already knew it was coming, so he already had his answer. So I don't think that he just on a whim. Like right there, a minute after Farrell's press conference, said, "Yeah, you know what? I think that we should have the whole staff back." I think he probably thought about it a little bit more than that before that. Well, I'm sure, and he's been thinking about it since, since spring training because he's been probably been on a short leash all year, considering the ups. And, you know what I mean? But like, I think that I don't think he would have said anything if it didn't come up in the Farrell press conference, and Farrell didn't seem so like I wouldn't say confused, but like not sure because he right away defended it with, "I just told him right outside the door." He came through, and I told him he had his job. Back. You know what I mean? So like. I don't think it would have been that forward if 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 Farrell didn't say anything. And now look, the Farrell returning of like whatever is defendable. I, I I get it. I get why people would make the argument um, because they won the American League East. All this stuff. If he gets married to the year, I'll probably gag. But that being said, I understand why it's defendable for the for next year. I'm still a believer that if he didn't get sick, he probably would have lost his job. Um, but. I think the whole staff thing is a bigger issue. I think you should take the time to look at the staff. He could have easily just said, you know, John Farrell's going to be our manager next year, and in regards to the staff, we'll, we'll review everybody and see if there's a need for a change, but we'll, we'll kind of keep that internal and see where it goes. Um, you know, it's just little things like that. I'm not you know, sitting here to trash on Dombrowski by any means, but um, I, I just think that it could have been handled a little better, um, and I, I don't think the whole staff deserves their job back by any means either. I mean, uh, we know how Dombrowski is. We knew the kind of person he was come when he was hired, and now he is in a position where some changes could be made. But at the same time, when you finish a season, you know, with 93 wins, AL East title, I mean, I'll go, I'll say that a hundred times over until I sound like a broken record. It's hard to justify really changing anyone, and I can understand Willis just because of the entire pitching situation is really just a mess. I get, I get that. But at the same time, maybe there's a chemistry there that he sees, or maybe like, you know, it's you know, Farrell with the players. Maybe Willis is like that with his his pitchers, and maybe there's just something there that they see that we don't see because we're not on the inside. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, in terms of Willis, like, I mean, come on, Rick Porcello could win Cy Young, 22 wins. Stephen Wright had a great season until he got hurt. Um, Rodriguez got better as the season went along. The bullpen was incredible in September. I mean, what's there really to really harp on about Willis? I mean, he did what he needed to do. The pitching got a lot better, and the team won 93 games. So what's the point of changing him? Who else are you going to get? I just think that, as a whole, the pitching staff should have been better than it was as a whole, the whole season. Um, I understand well, yeah, I got... David Price is David Price, but... <laughs> Beginning of the season, I don't think... Carl Willis fixed David Price. I think Dustin Pedroia and David Price fixed David Price. I think John Farrell helped fix David Price. I don't think I think Carl Willis is I don't think Carl Willis is a great pitching coach by any means. Um, I think John Farrell has more to do with it than Carl Willis, as well as apparently Dustin Pedroia. Because every time there's a problem, he seems to fix it. Um, Wait, you think David Price is fixed? <laughs> he looked too good to me. <laughs> well, besides the, the playoffs, I'm not saying playoffs. I'm saying as a whole. He figured out okay. why he was, was pitching poorly, and it was fixed right. at the end of the year. right? He was pitching well before the playoffs. So the playoffs are a whole different animal. We're not going there because he's an idiot in the playoffs. <laughs> he's not going to get out of his own way. But, I was kind of worried taking a dig on him again because I can. <laughs> but that being said, I just think that the reason why you lost and the reason why this team didn't go as far as they should have was mostly pitching. I think the playoffs aside, pitching should have been better than it was. The offense yeah. couldn't have been any better. Chili Davis did a phenomenal job with this team this year, um, getting them ready to go. Young kids had great approaches at the plate. They really knew how to hit the ball. Um, so obviously he deserves his job, but I just think that the pitching could have been overall a lot better. I mean, honestly, I, I, I see it just the way I was saying in the in the show before where the players play the game and – that's what happens, you know. The players play the game, so great. The hitters are great. Chili Davis is safe. The pitching wasn't great. It to, in total. So Carl Will should be better. Gone. Whatever. So Carl Will should no, be gone then. But they got better, so they did their job. So and they got ninety three wins. So who are we to say that he should lose his job? You know, whatever. They won ninety three games. Won they at least they had a good season. So keep everyone. I don't have a problem with that. I still hate that argument. That argument is the worst because pit managers and coaches can be blamed for things. 
Like, it's something where I don't understand how... I understand the players play the game, and I, and I want to support that argument in some fashions here, but, like, if a player isn't getting better or they're regressing, you have to blame that on the managers because the managers aren't figuring out what's wrong. You know, the players can only do so much, and if a manager's not getting helping them or if a pitching coach isn't helping them figure out or if a, bat, if a hitting coach isn't fixing someone's swing, then the players aren't going to get better. So you have to put some aspect on the managers. Plus, you can't fire a whole team. Yeah, but no one ever knows what the pitching coach, what the hitting coach, what they're doing. You know, like you don't see the day to day. Maybe you hear a story here or there, but who's to say that Chili Davis did anything? The offense is just good. They have good players. Who's to say he did crap? Maybe they should fire him just because they can fire him. Like, but who who knows what he did? Same thing with Lewis. Who knows what he did? Who knows what he fixed? Who knows what he didn't fix? You don't know this stuff. So like, I, I think so. For me, I would just trust what Dombrowski says because he knows what they do. He's there. I don't know what they do. I don't know if they're good or not. You ha- you have to have a feel of what they do because this offense was the best in the league, and they don't stay consistently good if they don't have eyes on the film. They don't have a good hitting coach breaking down the film and really being consistent with helping them prepare for games, learn the approaches, do all the scouting, and help their and help the hitter succeed. Um, whereas same thing with pitching, you have to have guys break down film, understand what's wrong with their mechanics, why are they why are they missing over the plate, why was Clay Buckhole so bad at the beginning of the year, why was David Price so bad? It's little things like that where they weren't consistent, and I put that on the coaches. Sometimes you have to. It, it's such a hard, I mean, this is such a hard topic. We could talk, like, beat this down for hours. But, I mean, yes, some of it should go on the managers and the coaches. But I think, Jared, you're putting too much blame on them because, I mean, it's only been, I mean, David Price has been on this team for a year. Stephen Wright shouldn't have even been on the starting roster and look what he did. And, I mean, you can't, it's been, it was one season that, you know, look at Jess, like Rick Porcello, like, it's, it's such a weird and hard topic to really break down, but I mean, you can't just really give up on the entire, not the entire staff, but you can't give up on one specific coach just for, for one season where it didn't really, they didn't look their best. I mean, David Price could bounce back next season. Maybe it was just first season, first season jitters in Boston. I mean, we could say that about Rick Porcello who was not very good his first season. We were ready to get rid of him and, maybe there's something that they're all going to work on in the off season and in spring training. And, and we don't know. I, I hope that's the case. But there's yeah, just so I mean, many, it's... there's so many cases where you, there's, it's just idiotic things that you have to blame the manager for. John Farrell. Do you blame John Farrell for the Steven Wright injury? More than I blame him for anything else. Yeah. Okay. At least you put blame on that. Cause that's obvious. <laughs> um, well, yeah, he got hurt. That's kind of like cause and effect, but yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. With 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 Carl Lewis, how could you? Same thing with Farrell. How can you justify firing him? You know, the the bullpen got way better. They improved. They had a potential Cy Young. David Price won seventeen games at two hundred twenty eight strikeouts. Stephen Wright had thirteen wins in a season. He probably shouldn't even in the rotation. I mean, how can you justify that? I don't. I don't see how you can. Because they still because this team didn't lack pitching when it mattered most. He didn't help make the adjustments. He did that part of the game was lacking when they needed it most. You know, down the stretch tour. Obviously, they won well in September. That was the offense's fault. That living game winning streak, offense. Um, it's little things like that. I give more credit for Joe Kelly in the bullpen to the AAA coach than I do to Carl Willis because Joe Kelly came up and all of a sudden was good in the bullpen. So, How do you know that wasn't Carl Willis? You don't know that unless you were there. He, were you there? Because he came up and was automatically good in the bullpen. He didn't have any issues when he came up in the bullpen. He was fixed in AAA. I mean, I wouldn't say he was fixed in the bullpen, and I think at the same time we've had the discussion. I think we even had this discussion last season with about Kelly, where we agreed he'd be better in the bullpen because he can go, you know, four or five innings, and he has better stuff in the early innings than he does later in the games. And that could just be Joe Kelly as a person. That just that can't really fall on a coach. Okay, and Lauren too. That that all that can also pose the question, and obviously we wanted to go in this in this kind of direction as well. That means what What does the team have to do for next year then? Um, is it something where the players just have to come out and see if they perform better? What adjustments do this team have to make to potentially get over the hump of being swept by Cleveland in the first round? I mean, I don't think it's just one thing. I think, you know, the bullpen obviously needs work, but they're going to get that relief help with Carson, um, Carson Wentz, wow, Carson Smith coming back. 
And, uh, you know, he's not going to provide all the relief, but he's going to be, I really believe he's going to be a solid arm in that bullpen. And, you know, if Kelly can stay how he was, I think that's going to be fine. But, I mean, there's a lot of things. And they have a, they don't have a lot of holes to to fill this season. It's more like what can they do to to be better? And it's I think it's a lot of it's going to rely on on pitching because we obviously have seen the offense and best in the league all year. If they can just keep doing that next year, then it's really just pitching that's the, the big concern. Yeah, I mean it's they really there really aren't that many holes. It's you know I think in terms of the pitching they just need to perform. David Price needs to perform. Craig Kim- Kimbrell needs to perform. Nothing says they will both won't have great seasons next year if you have Kimbrell in the ninth and and uh, Smith in the eighth and if Koji's still around you know him in the seventh or sixth. Joe Kelly right, in the seventh please or hold sixth. Me, please tell me Koji's not going to be around next year. He is so old. Who cares? He's still good. He's still no, he, good when he, he wants needs, to be. He, he needs him. And, <laughs> no. when he wants to be is the key key statement you just made. When when, when he's healthy. So, yeah. I'm, get Tozawa so off this team and get Koji off this team ASAP. No, get Tozawa off, yes. Koji, not so sure about that one. But either way, the bullpen could be very good if they want to be. The starters could be very good. I don't see a whole lot of holes there. Sure, go for a really good pitcher if you can get them. If you can't, don't go up too much. But I don't know how hard they're going to try necessarily because they do have good pitchers. And the offense, yeah, you just got to do their thing. You know, David Ortiz is gone, yeah. But you got a lot of good players. You got into the playoffs this year. Um Really, the only situation to figure out is the Pablo Sandoval, Travis Shaw, Hanley Ramirez. Do we get another player? Those, what do you guys do with that situation? Forward. What do you guys do with that situation? Oh, God, what a mess. <laughs> if you're Dave Dombrowski, what do you do? Oh, thank God I'm not Dave Dombrowski. <laughs> well, I'll answer first if you want to think about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, obviously, you got to give Sandoval a chance because he missed the whole year. You sign him for all that money to be good. So you hope he comes back and he's good. Who knows if he will be. So I think you got to give him a chance at third. Maybe not a long chance, but you got to start with him, I think. And then... Does he, have to earn, does he have to earn the job back, though? Or is it his? I think he should earn the job back in some way. I think it's probably more likely his than not. If he does remotely good, then he'll probably have it back. I wouldn't quite guarantee it, but maybe close to guarantee. If that's right or not, I don't know. But I think, so I have started him at third. Um, and really the biggest question with it is, what does Hanley want to do? Because before the season, everyone thought, well, of course, you slide Hanley right there at DH when Ortiz is gone, no problem. But Hanley played well at first base. He enjoyed first base. And maybe it keeps him in the game more and keeps his hitting going because he's more in the flow of the game. So he might want to stay at first. So then that, then it, the question is, do you transfer around DH? You put Travis Shaw there. You put Brock Holt there. You put other guys there who you know, kind of cycle through, like basically every other team in the league does, who doesn't have David Ortiz, which is everybody. So do you do that, or do you get someone like Edwin Encarnacion if you're able to, and then just drop Shaw off the face of the earth? So really, the, I think the biggest question is, what does Hanley want to do? And you kind of have to take it from there, because that's kind of the big thing. Okay, well, what, what Hanley wants to do, and what the team wants him to do, is a big difference. Um, what does he want to do? I don't know. He plays so Han- well at first, that might be better. Does Hanley have a say in this? I think he should. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I think he I think he will. I think they'll they'll pull him aside if they haven't already and just kind of sit down and talk with him. Like, listen, obviously our plan was for you to be the DH after Ortiz retired, and you know, you did so well at first. You really seemed to enjoy yourself. Like, what what does Hanley want? And I think that's gonna be huge for obviously how they approach the off season and how they approach a first base or a DH. It's it's gonna be really interesting. Yeah, Do you think I Hanley has a choice, Jared? Um, I don't know because I my gut says no just because of the way Dombrowski typically runs the show. Um, his way or the highway, you know, it's just his mantra. So my gut says no. My gut says he's going to be your DH, and then they figure out first base because Pablo will be your third baseman. Um, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, and if that's the case, please go get Encarnacion to play first base <laughs> because right. – that would be phenomenal. I don't care. I don't care what you throw at him for money. He deserves it. He'd be phenomenal for this team. And he fills a must-needed void, obviously, with the bat um, of Ortiz. But then again, on, Jared. On but then again, Encarnacion's older than Hanley Ramirez, so why don't you just put Hanley at first and Encarnacion at DH? Why, why do because, the other Because why would Encarnacion sign here? He wants to play defense still. If he can play defense somewhere else, he's going to go somewhere else. You have to give him what he wants for him to sign here. 
Why is he's he already preference over someone who's already been here, though? Well, because if you want him on your team, you have to give him preference. Because he's already come out and said that he doesn't want a DH. He wants to still play first base. So if you want him, you're going to have to give him that. But I think, I don't know, with Hanley, I feel like it's so, he's the kind of player, you know, he didn't want to play left field, and he showed he didn't want to play left field. He whined about it. He didn't play well and basically forced his way out of left field. Then they said, all right, you're playing first base. And he was like, oh, yeah, man, let's play first base. Gold glove, you know, championship. Don't say gold glove. Great. Don't say gold blah, glove. Blah, blah, blah. No, but he did. He said gold glove at the beginning. He wanted to get oh, a gold well, glove. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so he was all in. He was like, I'm doing this. I'm ready. So, like, I feel like his attitude of where he plays is a huge factor in how he plays. And if okay, he plays but... like he did this year, next year, that's huge. So maybe you like... do what he wants. I think a big thing for Hanley now is, and obviously I think this came up too in his um, his Players Tribune article the day the the day of Game One about playing winter ball in the playoffs. Did you guys read that? Did you read that? I did. It was, no. oh, it was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, it was. It gave me chills for Game One. Like it was exciting. Um, he was talking about how he just always grew up watching the Red Sox once he got signed by them, and um, and then he seeing Ortiz play quote unquote winter ball because it was so cold and um, for the, in the playoffs, and he wanted to do that, and he finally got his chance to do that for the Red Sox this year. That being said, I think winning Red here Sox is really, didn't win. Yeah, that's, it was so <laughs> it was so great. Like I was so pumped up for game 1 after reading that. And then Hanley had a good game. So so exciting. But um that being said, I think a huge part of it is he wants to win here. I think he does want to win. I think he wants what's best for the team because it's here. Um so if you go to him and say, "Hey, we know you love to hit. You thrive off hitting." Not to say you're not going to play first base at all this year because they could flip-flop, you know, and Carcion can get some games at DH. Um, but we want to bring in Carcion to make this team better, to really make a push. I think at this point in his career, being back here, I think he's going to listen and probably say okay to that. I mean, honestly, I think that for some reason, I don't know how, how I'm saying this, but I was comfortable with him at first base, and I kind I'm of enjoyed watching wasn't. him because because he was into it. No, I'm saying I can't believe that I'm saying this because I would have never thought I'd say this. But oh, like, no, no so one would have. Right. So, for, but for me, I'm, so I'm sitting here like, yeah, put him at first base. Screw it, Encarnacion says, put him at DH. I I kind of want that to happen. I don't know. Okay, but you're not going to sign him if he wants to play. You know, you know what I mean? Do you get what I'm saying? Because he's a free agent. Why not? So... He's one of the best hitters in the league. Freaking put him at DH. That's where he yeah, belongs. But... Yeah, I understand that, but it's not what he wants. If it's not what he wants, he's not going to sign your stupid contract. Right, he's but a free if, agent. He has no. Cho- he has the choice. But if so, if he wants to have a choice, like I feel like you can't sign him here and kind of tell Hanley he doesn't get the choice. Like I, that's not going to yeah. have any good chemistry for the team. That's going to. Okay, but, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I, my point is, if if Hanley's, if you really want Hanley's okay, and he says it's okay, then yeah. But my point is, you can't just bring him in. Because you want him to hit DH. If he doesn't want to just play DH, then he's not going to come here. Tell him to suck it up. If he wants to come to a winning organization, then then who's it? Wait, who's in the AL, who's in the ALCS right now? Yeah, I know he's in the ALCS right now, but this, the Red Sox have had more more of a championship pedigree than the Blue Jays have. That's a fact. Hey, hey, the Blue Jays are going in the right direction. No, they are. But if he wants to leave, if he wants to go test the free agency, and he wants to play for a good team, then suck it up in DH here and deal with it. See now, now you're wishful thinking and you're being a homer. If, he's if, old. I mean, he's old and he's still really good. So DH is perfect. It's a great place old, for him. But he's still really good at first base. Yeah, so, well, Hanley's good too. So yeah, okay. But like, if I if okay, if you said to me, if you gave me Hanley Ramirez or Edwin Encarnacion at first base, I'm taking Edwin Encarnacion. All right. To play first base defensively, aren't you? He's he's better than Hanley at first base. Yeah, but Hanley has the passion of first base. He's pumped. He's pumping his fists. He's ready. He's like, yeah, I'm playing first base. Is that cross on like that? I don't know. You don't, I don't, you don't think I don't, Hanley can bring that to being a designated hitter? All he has to do is hit four times a day. And he's pumped up when he hits. He's jacked up when he gets big hits. On the, like, you know, he, may like, not, he may not be as into it. And here's the biggest question. Is he going to be Is he gonna be able to survive without Ortiz? Ortiz is his man. Is this, is this going to, like, is he going to fall apart and turn into a basket case again? I hope not. No, I God, I hope not. <laughs> well, that's a huge question, Mark, but that has nothing to do with what position he plays. That's a matter of no, if Justin Pedroia can be a good role model for him and keep him under wraps. Right. Hopefully. But Pedroia's not Ortiz. He's not Dominican. He's not blah, 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 blah. You know, all that stuff. But okay, not, but you know, know Ortiz we'll... is probably going to phone call him like every five minutes. Like, that's true. It's not like he died. So. It's not going <laughs> anywhere. He's probably still going to be up here half the season anyway. He's probably going to get a job with the Red Sox and like Pedro and Wakefield and be in every ceremony because, hey, they're there anyway. So, hey, don't forget about Baratek. 
<laughs> hey, your best friends came back to visit you. Jason Veritek, Tim Wakefield. He came guys. all the way from across the street. Yeah, <laughs> they work. They work. They work next door. They work for the team. Like they're they, they're always here. He sees them probably every at least twice a week for dinner. Like relax. Welcome your best friend, Jason Veritek. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. It's you it's, slept over in his house last night. Yeah, welcome your uh, welcome your bar buddy, Jason Veritek. Yeah, like it's just <laughs> it's awful. With they, I hate that crap so much. Oh uh, God, look. We're going to babble on this all off season. It's a long off season. We know we have stuff to talk about, but it's an interesting kind of dilemma and what Dave Dombrowski has to deal with. You know, look at look at us. We're having a heated argument right now over what he's going to do. What do you think he's going to be going on in that room during the off season? The amount of arguments right. they're going to get in. You know, they're like, all going to be saying the same things. What if this guy did? Well, what about him? What, what if he? Did? What if? That's yeah. a great argument. It's a good. good I mean, good problem. Biggest difference is they'll be able to pick up the phone and go, "Hey, Hanley, what do you think about DHing?" Um, unfortunately, we don't have that luxury. So, um, we should figure that out, though. We should be able to do that. Let's get Hanley on speed dial. Um, that'd be fun. <laughs> we, should, we should have that power, right? We, we're popular enough. Um, that's uh, that's obviously all your Red Sox uh, news. We'll obviously keep you up to date as the off is going along here through the playoffs and and that sort of thing. But it's very exciting, obviously, um, with everything that's going on and um, everything. <sighs> coming up in the offseason obviously not the way you wanted the season to end but that being said um a lot of stuff going to happen to potentially make this team better for next year of course all your red Sox news was brought to you by uh blue apron blue apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone blue aprons achieves this by of course supporting a more sustainable food system setting the highest standards for ingredients and of course building a community of home chefs um some of the meals available in october Crispy chicken milanese with warm Brussels sprouts, celery, and potato salad. Uh, roasted pork steamed buns with bar, uh, black garlic mayonnaise and spicy cabbage slaw. I'm getting that one in the mail tomorrow. I'm very excited. It sounds delicious. Um, as well as seared salmon and fall vegetable hash with apple brown butter dressing. That sounds delicious, and I, too. And I, and I had that last night. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds delicious. It was so I'm assuming good. it was a good, yeah. Oh, it was, um, oh, it was great, yeah. Yeah, and... For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron's delivering seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals, whether it's Japanese the ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or anything I just mentioned on the menu in October. It's delicious, and it's phenomenal. And, and guys, we're going to help you st- get started with it. So go to blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Type that right up in the URL box, and you're going to check out this week's menu as well. You'll get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Uh, you're going to love the way, how good it feels, it tastes, and uh, how to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait again. That's blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Uh, Blue Apron, of course, a better way to cook. Guys, they're, they're our sponsor. We all use them. We love them, and it's great to have them still. For sure. Yeah, it's the, uh, it's, it's the way to do it. You get the recipe, you get the time, you cook it. Did and you get to save, and you get night. to save the recipes because they send you the cards, which is awesome, right? No, I did. I did that a couple weeks ago. I looked back at an old recipe and got the ingredients and made the same thing again, and it was great. But yeah, I had I had the yeah, salmon last night, ate it while watching SNL. It was a great night. Love, love me some SNL. <laughs> right, I ate it while watching Alec Baldwin impersonate Donald Trump to the highest. He, Alec Baldwin, is better at Trump than Trump is at Trump. Sorry, Trump's, not to go off Trump, track, but Trump's he is. A ter- Trump is a terrible Trump, so right. anyone's probably Alec Baldwin better. is Trump. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love SNL skits of uh, of the presidential candidates. Those are the best. They're Those so perfect. Just, they're and they're on point. the actual debates. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. so good. They're so good. Um, before we get out of here, um, we can go however long we want. It's our show. Um, obviously, the postseason is still going on despite the Red Sox being out. Um, and we do want to get to a little bit of Red Sox um, baseball later on, but we do want to get to some MLB baseball as well um, because of the fact that we love playoff baseball. So that being said, um, the Dodgers beat the Nationals. That's kind of the big storyline, I think, for me coming out of the ALDS um, and the NLDS is is the Nationals lost again. Um, These guys can't get out of their own way in the playoffs. They really can't can't figure it out. I kind of assume this year is the year, you know, you bring in a a couple guys and you really start to show kind of success. And now now they do it again. And, of course, of all people, the Dodgers, I hate the Dodgers. Not a fan. I never am. But Dodgers are playing the Cubs now, um, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I wish the Nationals won. Yeah, the Dodgers are boring. I, I 
don't really like watching them play either, and I agree, I don't really like them either. But yeah, I mean, the Nationals, they can't prove it to us. And every season, oh yeah, it's the year, it's the year for the Nationals. And every year I say, it's not the year for the Nationals because everyone thinks it is, and it never is. So I'd never pick them. And boom, here they are again, losing in the first round. And yeah, they just, for some reason, they just suck in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know what it is and what they cannot figure out for the life of them. But and I, I'm right there with you about the Dodgers. I mean, it's just, like I said, that was the series I really kind of just forgot about. And they did make an exciting series. It was the best series there was. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, no one wanted to watch it, but it was the best one. It was great. It, it, good for Dave Roberts, because I know we had questions about him coming into the beginning of this year for getting his team this far. But at the same time, like, you know, the game's on right now, Chicago and L.A. And, uh... Chicago just hit one of LA's players, but it's just like it's so I'm not entertained by by the Dodgers. You know, I know there's Kershaw and they have good pitching. Always gotta love Adrian Gonzalez, but it's like you know wh- where's the fun? Like where's the Blue Jays and Indian series? That's such a fun series to watch. And this, I'm just like, can the Cubs just wrap this up so they can just go to the World Series? Yeah, and like, I'm no, gonna look. No Kershaw, one likes the Dodgers. Kershaw picked phenomenal. <laughs> pitched phenomenal but it just shows that maybe the Dodgers did need a new voice you know when they hired Dave Roberts maybe they just really needed that change um to make the biggest difference and and they're winning right now in Chicago so who knows maybe they do get over the hump yeah I'm happy for Roberts I mean I don't like the Dodgers but I like him obviously he's a great guy he's a happy guy he's a nice guy he's a Red Sox legend for one play and everything for one stolen base (laughs) which that anniversary is tomorrow is it it is. It came up. It's funny. It came up on my time hop today that I retweeted last year that it was the anniversary tomorrow. I'm going to find it. Yeah, so tomorrow, three years ago, it said tomorrow is the ninth anniversary of Dave Roberts filling second base. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, Dave Roberts is everywhere. <laughs> do, do the Cubs have a chance of losing this series realistically, though? They're pretty, they're pretty damn good. Yeah, I think anybody I, I, has any chance to lose any series. Yeah, I mean, oh, I think... I hate that answer. Uh, um, <laughs> Sorry. That's a cop out. You sound like John Farrell on that. You sounded like John Farrell. Well, I mean, any, <laughs> any, chance, any given Sunday, like, stop. I mean, I think the Cubs are going to win. Yeah. I think I think they're going to take the series, but I don't think... I mean, it's going to be pitchers' duels throughout, all throughout, kind of like how the Giants were, so it's going to be that. Does this go seven? Yeah. It could go seven. I think it's going to go five. Five. Wow. wow. Okay. I'm assuming I, I mean, the Cubs think... winning. <laughs> yes. I just yeah yeah I think the Cubs are definitely going to take it, but I mean I I don't think it's going to go seven. I think it's I I think the Dodgers are going to win tonight, and then the Cubs are just going to be like nah, whoops, never mind, oh. and just win the yeah, rest. I, mean, I think the opposite. I think if the Dodgers win tonight and uh, tie it up at one, I think it definitely could go seven, at least six or seven. I think, yeah, I think it's a good matchup. The Dodgers are definitely a good team. I don't know if they're as good as the Cubs. I mean, they weren't in the regular season, but yeah, I think winning this game would be really important for them, and I think they, they definitely have a chance. Uh, AL side, of course, the Blue Jays are playing the Indians, as we know. Um, Cleveland's up 2-0. Game three is Monday um, back in Toronto. Guys, Cleveland's look really good. Francona is leaning on Andrew Miller again, um, and it's making me feel better that Cleveland's at least winning. Um, and still looking like the team that, that what they were when they swept the Red Sox. It's making me feel worse that Andrew Miller's incredible and basically winning their series single-handedly because we should have him. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, ignore that part of it. There's a lot of part, Red Sox in the playoffs right now, so ignore all of that. It's great. I know you have to. It's true. Yeah, Cleveland looks great. Uh, two to one and two to nothing wins are really good. Their pitching is on point. Their pitching was great against the Red Sox. Clearly, their pitching is really good, even though they don't have two of their three best pitchers, which makes no sense. How good would they be with those pitchers? That's the thing you never know. I mean, they, they could be worse if they had those pitchers for all we know. They could crack. They could be bad. You never know. So they, They're using what they have, and they've won five games in a row in the postseason. they won championships since 1948. Um, I'm getting more and more on their on their bandwagon as they go. Frank Ono's doing a masterful job, like always, and They've shut a Jays offense that is really good to 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 one run in two games. That's really impressive. You know, it would be crazy if Cleveland goes to the World Series to play the Cubs. If that happens, um, not even the Red Sox ties, not Theo and, and Tito, not that battle, but the fact that these two cities have been in misery for so long, like for winning. They both have such good teams this year. Yeah, it's cool. Like, like obviously the Cavs won for Cleveland, so that drought ended, but. They're still the baseball. Still have their the Indians yeah. still have their drought, and obviously the Cubs. We know they are so like to have two teams who really do 
need a championship bad for their city in terms of baseball. Um, Chicago, anything, honestly. Chicago could use, besides the Blackhawks, they don't really have much. Um, so I think this is, I, I'm rooting for Cleveland Cubs because I think it'd just be the most intriguing World Series matchup. And anytime you get the, if you get the Cubs and you're just going to hear stories about, well, back in the day when the last time the Cubs won the World Series, like you're going to get all that crap. But I'm okay with that because I want them in the World Series, especially because I picked them at the beginning of the year. So um, really hoping that comes true. But um, I'm assuming you guys want that matchup too. It's kind of the dream matchup. Yeah, I mean, if, if I can't have Red Sox-Cubs, I'd rather go Indians-Cubs. And I think that would just be a crazy fun series. You know, with the offense and the pitching on both sides, it's just like that. I, I feel like if that is the World Series matchup, that would easily go seven games. Yeah, that'd be a really fun matchup. I think obviously the Cubs would have the edge because of the the Indians not having their pitchers. But then again, the Indians haven't lost the game, so maybe not. Um, yeah, that'd be a really fun series. I think that'd be huge. It'd be kind of sad because either Francona or Theo would have to lose, which would be sad. Oh, and all the players, obviously. But yeah, I don't know, that would be fun. That'd be really fun, especially with how long it's been for both of them. But then again, the thing with these teams in it right now, it's been a long time for all four teams that are left. You know, they they all haven't won. The Blue Jays won the last championship of these four teams, and that was twenty two years ago, twenty three yeah. years ago. So it's a drought for everybody. So something's something's going to change no matter what happens, which is kind of fun. Yeah, and obviously a lot of storylines going in with ex Red Sox players and just great baseball to be watched. So enjoy the playoff baseball, considering it's almost over, and then we'll be back in the depths of winter with no baseball. And Lawrence countdown will officially begin uh, until uh, spring training. Twenty nine days till pitches and catches report. So. Uh, there it is. It, 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 and, it be, and it begins. We should have like a running tally on the website, just like Lawrence <laughs> Lawrence preseason countdown, Lawrence spring training countdown. Um, that being said, don't forget, of course, um, this show was brought to you by Blue Apron and Audible. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. We'll be back next week, of course, um, talking more about the postseason. Uh, if anything Red Sox comes up, we'll touch base. And then, obviously, we'll dive more into the offseason talk once the World Series is completed. Um, so enjoy the baseball this week. Obviously, playoff baseball is at its highest right now. And enjoy it. It's fun for what it is. Um, for Lauren Campbell and Jess Thomas, I am Jared Scali. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. We'll be back next week.